Old Radio Listening Society, a podcast dedicated to suspense, crime, and horror stories from the golden age of radio. I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. We love mysterious old-time radio stories, but do they stand the test of time? That's what we're here to find out. Today we are listening to an episode of The Key, a series we have never featured before. It is a program full of mystery both in its content and its origins. We know it's from Australia, and that 32 episodes survived, all of which were originally broadcast, we believe, in 1956. And although I haven't checked all 32 recordings, it seems as though each episode begins with the opening of a door and ends with a door closing. An ad for The Key appeared on December 11th, 1957 in the ABC Weekly. That's the Australian Broadcasting Commission Weekly. The ad says that the Sydney station 2UW presents The Key by James Workman. 30 minutes of thrills, action, and suspense. James Workman was born on February 2, 1912 in Scotland. He was educated in England and trained as a naval cadet. After three years as a member of the London Metropolitan Police, he joined the Wits Rifles, an infantry regiment of the South African Army. It was while he was in South Africa that his interests apparently changed. He joined a touring theater group and eventually went to work for the South African Broadcasting Commission as an announcer, scriptwriter, and producer. He moved to Australia and, in addition to his continued work in radio, made a name for himself as a pulp writer. He wrote 23 novels for Horwitz Publishing. Workman passed away on March 28, 2001, in Sydney. Was Workman really the driving force behind the key? Maybe. But today we are going to listen to an episode from the series, and just to warn our listeners, the sound quality isn't great on this recording. But somehow, it just adds to the enigma. This is The Ghost from the series The Key, first broadcast sometime in 1956. Probably. It's late at night, and a chill has set in. You're alone, and the only light you see is coming from an antique radio. Listen to the sounds coming from the speaker, listen to the music, and listen to the voices. to another in the series, The Key. And this is your room, Mr. Lanning. I, I hope you'll be comfortable. I'm sure I will be. Uh, we'll be eating in about an hour. I, I'll give you a call. Thank you. Did Elizabeth tell you our trouble, Mr. Lanning? Well, something about it. Do you think you can help us? Frankly, no, but I'll try. That's all we ask. We'll see you at dinner. Sure. And thanks again, Well, for don't thank me yet. Even an offer of help deserves thanks. 
Trouble, trouble, toil, and trouble. I'm Donna Weston. Don't you ever knock? Often. This is one time you forgot. I wanted to surprise you. See the master when his defenses were down. What might Donna Weston be in the scheme of things? The lady help. What does that mean? Well, I'm assisting the Mrs. Frieda and Elizabeth August collate and catalog their many and varied collections, ranging from spiders to rare manuscripts, including a room stacked with bones. Bones? Bones. You're going to have a wonderful weekend. Well, I'm sure I'm going to, but uh, what type of bones? Animal bones. Old animal bones. Well, I should imagine they would be old if only their bones remain. Yeah. The reason you've been called in to track down the ghost is that... Uh, just if... hold it, will you? Uh, called in to track down what? Oh, you're tired from your trip, I suppose. No, I'm not all that tired, but uh, what about a ghost and what about me having to put salt in its tail? Well, the Mrs. Frieda and Elizabeth have a ghost which is bothering them. And you're the boy who is going to find it. Now, don't argue. They told me so. Oh, it must be true. I read it in the papers, eh? Mm, something like that. Well, I think we'd better straighten things out at dinner. I'm uh, no ghost breaker. <laughs> they seem to think you are. Look, you do know the old dears, don't you? I know them. Well, would you tell me why you think you're here? Not for a pleasant weekend, I hope. I have something of a reputation as a puzzle expert. Mm, the master. I had a letter from Frida saying that something was bothering them. Would I come down here and spend the weekend and help work it out for them? It's bothering them, all right. Ghosts. And ghostly organ music and wailing dogs. Well, I can hardly wait. When does it start? Midnight? Oh, no, no, no. This ghost is non-union. He works any time, as long as it's a dark night. Well, I suppose it is a puzzle. <laughs> you are so right. You haven't been frightened off by the manifestation. It'd take more than a dead cat and a crummy organist to frighten little Donna when she's got a good pitch. You know, but... You've got an odd turn of phrase for a girl who catalogues things. My father was a bootlegger. I was lucky to get an education. But the background stuck. You know, this is the zaniest household. There must be tens of thousands of dollars worth of junk scattered around. Everything from coins to bones. And uh, you've got to put it in order? The old dears are gone with a dying bug. They want everything to be smooth when they go. Well, leave it to the museum or something, but leave it right. That's the idea. Tell me, you... Who else is in the house? Oh, Danny August. He's some kind of um, offbeat relative. Smooth, very smooth. Got manners he hasn't used. Then there's Avery. He's a death's head. A what? A creep. Look, can't you use ordinary words? Uh, upbringing. Well, why is he a death's head? Upbringing. Miss Weston, I'm tired. Would you mind if I cleaned up a little before dinner? If you're so dirty, go ahead. Excuse me. Avery is a death's head because he wants to marry me. Well, not that he's on his own there, but it's the way he goes about it. I turn a corner, a paw, there's Avery, hanging like the kiss of death. I reach for a cigarette. Avery gets there before me, complete with Virginias and Turkish, lighter and ashtray. You ought to be flattered. Avery is tall, thin, bald, and yellow. When he smiles, he looks as if he's opened a vein and is loving it. I should be flattered. I'm looking forward to meeting him. With Avery and the ghostly noises, it's a ball from start to finish. 
You wash your face, it's dirty. Now, there's an odd girl. There's a very odd girl. Did you enjoy your meal, Kurt? Fine. Oh, yes. Just fine. Pleased. Uh, where's Elizabeth? She's not ill, I hope. Well, not really. Uh, just a little poorly, what with all the upset we've had lately. She's not the strongest person, you know. Mm. Elizabeth and Charles Atlas. Who, dear? Charles Atlas. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Uh... Don't you think it's about time you told me about your puzzle? Uh, yes, I do. Oh, aren't you going to wait for the rest? Denny wouldn't want to miss anything. And I'm sure Avery could lend some good color to any talk on ghosts. Well, they're not here, so we'll have to go on without them. I, I think it's unpardonable of them to miss dinner, what with the guests and all. Let's hear the story. Uh, basically, it's very simple. Uh, only basically. Uh, Donna, I can't tell the story if I'm interrupted. Haven't you some collating to do? Watch your language. I'm sorry, Miss Frieda. You go right on with your tale. Oh, thank you. Well, it, it was a couple of weeks ago. I, I just buried the cat. That's a sock opening. And Elizabeth and I, I, we were having a cup of tea. We were both very upset about the whole thing. Why were you burying the cat? <laughs> it was Monday night. We always bury cats on Monday. Look, if you interrupt again, Donna... Oh, I, I, I promise... I mean, uh, what happened to the cat? How did it die? Someone poisoned it. Poisoned? But who? We don't know. Oh, and you want me to find out? Oh, no. I want you to find out why Jeremy keeps playing the organ. See? Uh, Jeremy, yes. Uh, Frida, will you tell me something? Anything. Now, the cat's name wasn't Jeremy. Oh, no. Jeremy was the lad who worked for us. He died. Oh, he died. Mm. Well, uh, when did he die, and how did he die? By drawing a tooth. Uh, let me see. Oh, it must have been, uh, oh, oh, a long time ago. Uh, I'd say it's, um, I'd say it was a long time ago. Care for a small sherry, Kurt? Uh, how long ago? Oh, 40 years ago. 40 years? Mm. And he's playing the organ now. How did he die, Freedom? In his sleep, poor lad. Well, I'm glad it was natural. They found him in the morning, dead in bed. He'd been smothered with a pillow. Oh, Lord, Sherry. Who did it? We never did find out. We really think it was Elizabeth, because she wanted to marry him, and Father wouldn't let her, and she was terribly upset, and said if she couldn't have him, no one would. But it would have created a terrible scandal if we'd mentioned it to anyone. So we arranged for everyone to think he died of a choking. Oh, to take a breath. But now he plays the organ nearly every night, and we can't get him to go away. It's it's dreadfully embarrassing. And it's cutting into my eight hours. Has anybody seen him playing the organ? Oh yes, I have, and so has Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. But uh, anybody else? Oh, not me. We don't seem to be on the same plane. I'm mad for the clarinet. We'd like you to do something about Ferris, Kurt. You're so good at working things out. Could you make him leave us alone? Well, I'll try. Uh, 
Kater, tell me, what has all this got to do with a cat being killed? I don't know, dear, but it's only since the cat died that we've heard the organ playing. And, and while the organ plays, the cat makes dreadful noises. Too. Yeah, it's a real jam session. And uh, is this likely to happen tonight? I should think so. And where's the organ? Oh, dear. I say, where is the organ? We haven't got an organ, dear. Now figure that one out. Feeling any better, Mr. Puzzle Man? Well, I uh, I do think Frida's a little off the beam. I, I don't think she's well. <laughs> you think Frida's lost her marbles. Brother, wait till you see Elizabeth. Well, I had so much to do this weekend. Instead, you listen to an organ recital. And we don't have an organ. <laughs> That's doing it the hard way. Are you sure you've heard it? Brownie's honor. But it must be a recording. Mm. Well, someone's just started a pickup. There it goes. It's playing, Kirk. Yeah, so I hear. Now, Rita, tell me this. How can you see somebody playing an organ that doesn't really exist? Well, it, it, it just appears. They're anywhere in the house. On the top landing, mostly. Listen to it, Kurt. He's listening. It worries me. Worries you? <laughs> it's ghastly. And that, that cat. Oh, this is quite ridiculous. Yeah. With those few words, he solves the problem. Tell me, aren't you going to do something, Kurt? Do something? But, but I, what? I, I, I don't know. When you find Jeremy, tell him for me he's got no musical taste. Oh, now what? A scream. It sounded like a little... Just like a cat scratch. Get water and bandages. Yeah. A shot of brandy. She's out cold. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. Please, dear, don't die or anything, will you? She'll be all right. Just sit down. She's all I've got. Please don't die, Elizabeth. She's not going to die. What's going on here? Who are you? Avery. She's going to die. I'm Kurt Lanning. Miss Elizabeth has had an accident. Obviously. Out of the way, Bob Rummel. I'm coming through. Here, this is for you, Miss Frieda. Make it down. Oh, please don't, Jeremy. I didn't mean to no, Please, please don't. Will you fix up as best you can? I'm going to find a doctor. She'll be all right, except she's got the screaming horrors. Well, I've been over this house from top to bottom, and there's not a sign of anything. Not even a mouth organ. But Elizabeth swears she saw the long dead Jeremy and that a cat jumped out of his arms and attacked her. Hard to take, isn't it? How much money have they got, do you know? Oh, a lot, my friend. It's stacked on its edges. Wonder who gets it if they die. You mean when they die? Ha! And now you're playing detective. I'm thinking. Cat noises and organ recitals from the dead. It's not very good, really. Yeah, and scratches on Lizzie's face and the murmured words, lay off Jeremy. The said Jeremy being dead these 40 years. 
Well, for a start, I don't believe in ghosts. Ghost people or ghost animals. Hurrah. So I've got to assume that someone's trying to frighten the wits out of the old ladies. And succeeding very nicely all around. It uh, couldn't be you. <laughs> I haven't the brains, the motive, nor the inclination. So it's either Avery or the other one. Denny. I wonder where he is. Don't look at me. I haven't you forgotten something. I haven't even remembered anything. I'm trying to puzzle it all out. How do people manage to have music where there's no instrument, cat scratches without a cat? And the long dead Jeremy walking the boards. Makes you think, doesn't it? Mr. Lanning, Elizabeth would like a word with you. She's rather upset, so I wouldn't make it too long. Oh, thanks. Excuse me. Go right ahead. I, uh, I'd like to ask you some questions later. He'd like to ask me some questions, would he? Now, isn't that nice of him? Oh, he's a puzzle man. Works up the art and makes it easy, even very clever. Well, he can be clever somewhere else. I'm not going to allow him to cross-examine me. Funny, isn't it? There have been funnier things. Not in my book. If you ask me, I think someone's trying to drive the old girls mad. Yeah, and he hasn't far to drive, either. Yes, well, don't look at me when you say that. I might not like them very much, but I've no desire to kill them. That is a matter of opinion, Avery, my boy. A matter of opinion. Surely you don't believe all this ghostly business. When I was a young girl, Mr. Lanning, I fell in love with Jeremy. We had it all planned to be married. It was against my parents' will, of course, but when you're young, you're in love. Things like that are a secondary consideration. I know that, but what we're trying to do is solve the business of noises and ghosts now, right here and now. They can have no bearing on something that happened 40 years ago. It's impossible. Now, oh, let me finish my story, please. No, please, Elizabeth, don't upset yourself anymore. Go away, Frida. But you know you shouldn't worry. Go away. Oh, very well. But don't blame me if you suffer every lap. I shan't blame anyone but myself. Some people fuss too much. Where was I? You and your Jeremy? Oh, yes, yes, that's right. We intended getting married. Made the date and everything. We were going to elope, but on the morning of the day we'd set out, found him dead. All the life that left him. Oh, I'm sorry. And when he died, so did I. There was no more sunshine, no more smiles. All the world was a shadow, an ice-cold, miserable shadow. Miss Frieda told me he was... He was murdered. Someone smothered him while he slept. To stop you from marrying him? Why, yes. He was a good boy. He had no enemies. No one with a reason to kill him. Now he's back with me again. Well, if he's back again, as you think... As I know. How do you explain the cat attacking you? Would Jeremy arrange a thing like that? Of course not. But there's another influence in the house trying to keep us apart. Don't you understand, Mr. Lanning? When the cat died, it was Frida who buried it. It was Frida who loved Jeremy. It was Frida who was insanely jealous. Frida who killed Jeremy. I think you've had enough talk for the moment, Elizabeth. No! I think you should rest some more. Really, I do. I'll look into things for you, so don't worry. I'd like to talk to you for a moment, Mr. Lanning, if you don't mind. Sure. I'll be a moment, Elizabeth. I listened through the door. Which bears out the old adage... Elizabeth is a sick girl, Mr. Lanning, and I... Is she sick because she thinks you're responsible for the trouble she's had and having, or because of the fact? 
Sister Joni coming back after so many years has turned her mind. You'll help, won't you? As much as possible. Thank you. I'm sure if you can find a way of talking to Jeremy, you can convince him he should leave us alone. It's such a long time ago. Such a long, long time. How are the Mrs. August? Resting and nursing in that order. Oh. You going to sit here all night? I'm waiting for Jeremy. I see. And the very best of luck to you. Uh, would you care to uh, wait along with me? Oh, love to, but I'm a growing girl who needs rest. And besides, I don't get along very well with ghosts. I don't believe there is a ghost. Somewhere in this house you'll probably find a record player with organ recital and cat noises. What about Jeremy? Well, I haven't seen him. You haven't seen him. I think a little atmosphere goes a long way with the old ladies. Once somebody put the idea of Jeremy into their heads, they were all for it. After all, it was the only spark of high adventure in their lives. Avery or Denny? Someone who wants to prove the old dear's mad and incompetent to run the estate. They're slightly odd now, so a little help, and they could be locked up with no trouble at all. Yeah. And all you do is find the clues, find the setup, and then find the culprit. Yeah. Oh, what are you going to do in your spare time? Hey, and what about the scratches on Lizzie's face? Oh, they wouldn't be too hard to explain. Well, I'm waiting. Well, she could have done it herself, or someone could have made a similar thing. Here we go again. Quiet. All right, puzzle map. Where does it come from? What time is it? It's time I wasn't here, 11 o'clock. Now, you wait down here. I'm going upstairs. Oh, no. There's nothing to be afraid of. You save your breath. Quickly, please come quickly. She's dying. He's killing her. Now, you wait here. I'm right with you. All right, what is it, Frida? He's upstairs, Jeremy. He's upstairs in the shadows. He's calling for Elizabeth. He's come to take her from me. Oh, please, stop him. Well, like, like Shinborn Alley. That music's coming from upstairs for sure. Elizabeth, are you... Elizabeth. You'll not be walking in the shadows anymore, Elizabeth. You'll not live alone in the cold of the earth. Wait, this is too much. It's Jeremy's voice. Elizabeth, he's smiling. Where is the voice coming from? I feel sick. It's been too long, Elizabeth. Too long in the ice-cold shadows. Now we shall walk in the warmth and in the light. Please stop her. Stop her. Not me. She's getting off the bed. Elizabeth. Elizabeth. No more sadness, Jeremy. No more loneliness. No more empty years. No more tears. We'd better follow her. Not where she's going. I have to stop her. Elizabeth. Please, Elizabeth. No more for this girl. I'm leaving on the first broomstick. There's a good reason for it, and I'm going to find it. Come on. We'll search this floor from top to bottom, and we'll find a recorder complete with organ music. Come inside, Elizabeth. You'll catch cold. He's with me, Frida. He's with me again. All around me. Look. Feel his hand on your face. Oh, no. You're being silly. I can't see him. Reaching out. Reaching out of the night. Look, look, Frida, look at him. All around us. Stop it. He's going to take us away. <laughs> Jeremy, we're ready. We're waiting, Jeremy. <laughs> Jeremy. 
Elizabeth. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes, I can hear you. Are you feeling better? Much better, thank you. Is Frida, is she all right? I'm sorry. Dead. Her heart gave out. Oh, dear. Dear, dear, so long together. Such a long time. The doctor's arranging for a nurse to be with you tonight. Thank you so much. Very kind, very, very kind. I think I'll have some sleep now. Very kind indeed. Such a shame, such a shame. How is she? Oh, she'll be all right. Good. Well, smart man, we didn't find a record player, we didn't find any loudspeakers, and we didn't find a movie projector. And I'm leaving as soon as I can pay. Somewhere in this house, there's a reason for this ghostly stuff. Somebody's trying to kill or drive the old girls mad. Oh, halfway back to the stable already. Well, I don't know about you, laughing boy, but the place is too hot for me. I'm going. Doesn't seem to be much point in staying here, I don't suppose. I notified the police. They ought to be here soon. I'm not the best puzzle man after all. <laughs> Goodbye, Elizabeth. I'm sorry I couldn't do more to help you. Even the police are stumped. But try not to worry, won't you? I'll try. I can't think who'd do such a thing to us. The only thing I can think is that I really did hear Jeremy. But that's impossible, isn't it? Goodbye, Donna, and thank you. All gone and left me. Avery frightened, Denny the same, and Frida dead. Frida dead. Taken a long time, Jeremy, a long time. But I told you I'd avenge your death. She gave me a life of misery when it could have been happiness. <laughs> the foolish Mr. Lanning looking for a puzzle when it's all so simple. Frida killed you. And now Frieda is dead. Rest easy, my Jeremy, rest easy now. I must tend the scratches on my face. We had to be clever, haven't we? <laughs> Poor Mr. Lanny. Looking for a puzzle when it was so simple. Closing door finishes the story. Next week, another key will open another door to another story. <laughs> Romance. Or adventure. All start when a door is unlocked by... The key. That was... The Ghost from The Key, here on the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society podcast. Once again, I'm Eric. I'm Tim. And I'm Joshua. All right, so 
lots of things I can't wait to say. Um, <laughs> for starters, I have never even had the words the key radio show in my head i have never heard of it tim sent it and i was like the key what are you talking about and then i said i'm not going to look it up i don't want to know anything i don't want to know anything i'm just going to listen to it i'm not going to do any research i don't want to be muddled by some kind of uh i just preconceived didn't want to notion yeah then i did the opening to our podcast uh that was a cold read which i love doing because i'm like i'm Reading and learning at the same time. I'm reading, learning, and not working as much at the same time. <laughs> and getting paid the same, see? Uh, so that was fascinating to find all that out in our opening. Like, okay, there's some answers. That explains a lot. So it is a mystery show that is in itself somewhat of a mystery. How did you come across this, Tim? Well, there are two reasons I chose this, and I came across it for the, the dumb reason. I have a dumb reason and a good reason. Uh, the dumb reason is, if you go to the ghoulishdelights.com website, <laughs> you can click on the little explore button, and it will. you can choose, like, I want to figure out what episodes you've done based on the series. So I'm going to press B, and it'll show me, like, Beyond Midnight and Black Mass and things like that. And so it's my goal to get all 26 letters represented. And the only two I'm missing are K and Z. I got a plan for Z, so I wanted a K episode. So I looked up what radio series begin with a K. That was the dumb reason for bringing this. It's not dumb. It's just weirdly anal retentive. The... uh, the better reason is I had just gotten a message from a listener, D in, let me get this right, Narangba in Australia, who, it blows my mind, like, he listens to us right. when he's working outdoors. Yeah. Uh, and he'd asked about, what radio series come from Australia? And the only thing I could think of in response was the clock, uh, but I was yeah. excited to find, there's another one here, the key. We have a listener in Australia? What? Why? What's going on? <laughs> <laughs> We're very grateful that you listen, D. Don't take uh, Eric's confusion for dismay. <laughs> oh, I'm very, very thankful. Yeah, it's how? Why? Look, <laughs> I still don't understand how the world has shrunk. Like, I mean, you told me 30 years ago that Australia has an internet? Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just I can't believe how connected we are. And how easy that is. Oh, I'm in Australia listening to you do a thing. Really? I remember locally here in the Twin Cities of Minnesota, uh, there was a radio station, WCCO, which is one of the first stations in the country, and it was grandfathered in, meaning that when the FCC got a hold of everything and said, you have to limit how far your signal reaches, there was a handful of stations that still to this day do not have a limit on how far their station can reach. WCCO for years used to advertise after sundown when their transmitter uh, power actually was allowed to go up. They would say WCCO coast to coast around the world. And they would have listeners, and they still do late at night, that would be calling in from New Zealand or Australia or wherever. I can pick you up. And so this local AM radio station still has listeners from everywhere. And I remember listening late at night uh, in my youth just to listen to the people around the world who were forgive me for my radio knowledge, but picking up the skip off the ionosphere or something. I can't remember how the AM works, but it skips at night off of one of our spheres, one of our 
atmospheres and uh, and <laughs> travels further uh, around the globe. And that was, to me, astounding that these DJs were like talking to people all over the world. And now we're like, that's nothing. Yeah, so. take that, ionosphere. <laughs> <laughs> Here's uh, my next thought on this. You mentioned in the beginning, and I'm glad you did, about the sound quality. One of the things that's happening to me all day, in my older age is that I'm losing frequencies uh, in my hearing. And it's getting worse and worse. And there's certain pitches and there's certain things that I just can't hear anymore. And it's getting frustrating at, at, for some things. This particular episode was muddy in its base content. And so it was a little muddled is the best way to put it. But it happened to hit the exact area of this was Charlie Brown's teacher. Like I could not make out a word of it. So I had to download it, bring it into a program and change the EQ on it uh, drastically. Uh, I will tell you though, and as we get to talking about the ending of this, I had to do a second thing. It still wasn't good enough for me to quite understand what the old lady was saying at the end. So I took the program into another program that I have wow. that, that actually takes audio and turns it into text. Uh, as you know, I've used that for some of our scripts and stuff, and it's not accurate 100%, but it can be uh, helpful. So I was like, okay, now I can at least read along with what this, uh, uh, whatever that's called, the uh, the translation program that I use. And it turns out that the translation program was just as confused because it said, <laughs> happy uh, jelly bean fun time from the earth. Yep, that was it. <laughs> Word perfect. So we're going to get to a point where I'm going to say, this is what I think she was saying after they left. Because my ears couldn't understand it, uh, nor could the translator uh, writer thing do anything with it. So let's just start there. Uh, what happened? <laughs> <laughs> she she made it all up right i think the end is a little open to interpretation either by design or incompetence and i can't tell which <laughs> i don't know that she specifically overtly says i faked the ghost i think that there's an implication there but she is speaking to his jeremy jeremy yes yes, yes. The um, least scariest ghost name ever. Jeremy. <laughs> Until he speaks in class. <laughs> That's all I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> that her sister, who was now dead, had killed Jeremy, and this was uh, her revenge. Yeah, I think I caught that, yeah. So she made all this up to drive her crazy and then scratched her face. I don't think there's any evidence... That she made up the ghost because there's so much time and energy spent in the first half of the script that there are no records to be found. There is not a projector. There are no speakers. And she laughs at him because the puzzle master was trying to figure it out and it was so simple. And I think the simplest solution, Occam's razor says, if you're seeing a ghost and you can't find anything that is in the house to fake it, it must be a ghost. So that's what I thought they were attempting to imply at the end. Yes, but they don't overtly say that either. No, they don't. And that's why I was on the fence on whether it was sloppy writing or clever writing. Having heard several other episodes, I think it might be the former. <laughs> ah. Um, but I, I d don't want to disparage this show too much because it, I think it's 
damning with faint praise to say it's good. It's just not like suspense or escape good. You're always such an apologist for the Australians. <laughs> <laughs> well, now that I got that straight, which I still don't. Apparently, it didn't matter if I understood it or not because nobody knows. The, there's a weird thing to not explain the guy very well. And I'm waiting to have Joshua say to me, no, uh, that's really cool. <laughs> he's, he's a puzzle master. And I wanted more information. Like, what do you mean you're a puzzle? How did she find you? Why would she turn to you? Where did you come from? Eric, get out yeah. your diary. You're going to want to write this down. I okay. agree with you. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Dear diary, it Dear finally diary. happened. <laughs> I'm not insane. Well, from my point of view, there's a there's a way I could look at it and enjoy it because it is a little perplexing, uh, a little puzzling. <laughs> but I think it's unfortunate because it seems to be such a a subversion of your usual detective tropes to have him reach the end and go, "Hey, I had that one idea about a record. Uh, after that, I'm done. See ya." <laughs> Which is my favorite thing about this entire play, and I just think it would have been stronger as a subversion if it had been clearer who he was supposed to be, uh, that he was officially a detective. Right. And even the fact that they just never say, he's just good at puzzles. Is it just like, is he like a crossword master? <laughs> is he a Batman villain? In my head, it was jigsaw puzzles and he was completely worthless. <laughs> is it like Peter Sagal from Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me? Is he just <laughs> investigating ghosts now? I don't get it. The experience ring was totally like, this feels like some recurring detective character that I just don't know, and I'll just kind of go along with it as a puzzle master. Even though I know clearly this is not a recurring character, it is as vague as that of like, why did you hire me? I do puzzles. It's not a recurring character yet. yet. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> I think that's a pretty cool detective thing. Let's bring in a puzzle master who can't solve crimes. Yeah. <laughs> I'd listen to that just to watch the train wreck, or listen to the train wreck. <laughs> Somebody murdered my best friend. Well, hey, my mom's good at crossword puzzles. Maybe she can figure out who did it. Well, that, part of the logic there is that, I mean, the two women who brought him in, one of them was trying to kill the other one, and the other one, like, they're not top-notch thinkers already. They keep saying, like, short drive to the drive Why crazy. bring him in at all if your plan is to kill your sister? Why are you bringing up, you know, the puzzle guy? Well, here's one of the ways I read it is they, they intentionally brought in somebody who was sort of adjacent to mystery solving <laughs> so that uh, he could point them in the wrong direction or fail to solve it or help confuse. Them. Yeah, there's no real justification for it. Maybe that's it. I'm bringing in someone that's not a very good detective. In fact, I'm just going to go to a puzzle guy. And um, when he's done and says, yeah, it's got to be a ghost, then everybody's going to believe me and then I can kill my sister and not have any worry because everybody's going to say, well, the puzzle guy couldn't figure it out. It must be a ghost. Maybe that was the thought behind it. Let's <laughs> go with that. Speaking of enigmas, I find Tim to be one often in his selection process. So one of the games I like to play is to try to figure <laughs> out like what um, pleased Tim about this particular oh, episode. Yeah. And uh, this may or may not be true, but I couldn't help listen to this through the lens, if you can listen through a lens, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> uh, the lens of the recent episode we listened to, uh, 100 in the Dark from Suspense. Right. And that was one thing that I thought, oh, I, I wonder if Tim thought of that 
too, because he's a puzzle master, and that whole 100 in the Dark was talking about how the puzzle was more satisfying than the solution, Mm -hmm. ultimately. And here we have a puzzle master who who walks away without finding a solution, just like the storyteller walks away in 100 in the Dark without providing a solution. So that's what it made me think of. And I know Tim liked 100 in the Dark. I really like that now that you're saying it. (laughs) (laughs) I also had the same thought about, oh, why did Tim bring this to the table? Does he like it or not like it? Is this Because sometimes we bring things to watch each other squirm. And sometimes we bring things. We, we sometimes we bring things to go. Well, I think this is cool. Let's see. And I was saying, well, does Tim like this? And I was like, yeah, I think he does. And one of the reasons, same thing, is because of the puzzler, is because Tim is uh, uh, creates and uh, invents games, and that he likes puzzles and he likes games. And there was this idea that a guy that makes games for a living might get to solve a crime like a detective. <laughs> and really, he just needed something that started with the letter K. <laughs> I mean, I suppose the tell for the future is at the end of last episode, when it's like, so what are we doing next? Uh, something from this series, I'm still kind of looking for which episode. Right. <laughs> it's the, and then like, this is the best I could get out of this. <laughs> now, Joshua, in your analysis of us, did you, I'm, I'm leading you here. Did you have any thought about what about this show that I might like? Because there is something that was incredibly striking to me about this whole episode. And I want to see if you guys caught on to it. Is it going to be something with sound? No. (laughs) I know there was two things that I did particularly like about this. So I'll see if either one of them matches it. Uh, One of them is that there's a character who literally does not appear ever. Yeah. <laughs> Did yep. they just not have enough actors and he wanted more suspects? That was my guess. <laughs> I mean, that might be. And he... if so, why stop at one? Why not muddy the waters with <laughs> 10 suspects who never show up? I mean, <laughs> how much does a name in the script cost you? And the other thing that there's, I liked in a less ironic, more actually, I enjoyed this way is the librarian character and just. Her bizarre turns of phrase and her flippant. Yeah. And that character I, I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. She is a highlight of this whole story. I agree. Here it is. I might be really wrong about this, but I have a feeling once I tell you this, you guys are going to go, oh my gosh, you're so right. I want you to think about the Isle of a Mystery show, The Thing That Cries in the Night, and start comparing. Yes. This is like a 30-minute ripoff of The Thing That Cries in the Night. It's got every single thing it's got a detective trying to find out what really is going on they have something that doesn't exist in a old house full of rich people that all have really crazy personalities and uh, are really mad at each other in the thing cries in the night it's a baby there is no baby in the house and here it's an organ there is no organ in the house the guy's trying to find a, a logical solution to all that it has the matriarch it has every single detail of that entire series in a really... Uh, Condensed. Yeah, but did it not strike you guys at any point that this was that show? I, I totally thought that as we are listening, yes. Okay, good. Um, those elements reminded me. Totally went past me. Do you see it now, right. though? Absolutely. I, I agreed with you twice in one episode, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> it was astonishing to me how close it was to that up until when he said, yeah, I don't know, I'm leaving. 
I got the giggles so hard because I was like, what? And then she started talking. So, okay, goodbye. And then she started going. And I went, I don't know what's happening. I honestly think it might be a better episode if that's really how it ended. <laughs> Do you know that they said in this episode, quick, start looking for a tape recorder or a record player. Sting. No, we didn't find one. <laughs> they literally did that. Like, let us right down the path. To, Good, we're going to find out what's going on. And then, no, that wasn't a thing. Anybody else? No, I'm going home. Okay. Bye, Puzzler. But one thing I really like is he says at the very top, it's one of his first lines of dialogue. Uh, I think it's uh, Frida who says, or, it's, or Elizabeth, I can't remember which one, asked, you know, do you think you can help us? And he goes, frankly, no, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> You've hired a plumber to clip the dog. Yeah. <laughs> I thought he was humble. He was just brutally honest. <laughs> Having listened to several other episodes, I feel like this writer, if, if this is uh, Workman, maybe, uh, loves to pad out scenes, like make dialogue 50 to 100% times longer than it really needs to be. Um, and it takes a while to get to the castle, as it were. And this episode I liked because it was more charming. Like, I enjoyed the the delay of like where is your organ we don't have an organ the banter was really good and as you're saying the reveal of the clues was staggered in a way that was fun i didn't feel like it was too slow i just felt like it right. built up a lot of anticipation how are these elements all going to come together and you're like <laughs> oh they're not <laughs> writing is easier than i thought it was <laughs> The because end. He, he also uh, does a lot of emphasis on red herrings. Mm -hmm. Like the time that Donna spent explaining Avery and that he wanted to marry her mm -hmm. and how he physically looks and mm -hmm. creeps her out. And then mm -hmm. he has two lines of dialogue in the entire thing. Yep. And I couldn't quite tell why he was there. A red herring. A really obvious, terrible red herring. And have you guys ever heard the expression death's head to mean creep? No, I have not. Maybe that's an nope. Australian uh, expression. It may just be like, that's how she talks and no one else does. Like, you ha always have to explain that because... No Maybe it was from her dad. Bootlegger talk. Well, there's that, old, there's that old phrase, throw a death's head on the Barbie. <laughs> right? That's a thing. No. We're just losing our Australian our market. <laughs> You know, speaking of the dialogue, you said you liked the dialogue. I think that it failed me in the sense that it didn't stay true to a form. Meaning, if you're going to talk over each other, then that's the form. You know, that you have a, a style where there's talking over, not the traditional, I say a line, you follow the line. More modern, contemporary radio drama has a lot of that. Uh, four on... Uh, Fear, Fear on four. four. Fear on four does a lot of that, where you're talking over people. Uh, suspense delved into it in a few episodes, uh, but the form is established. And this one, two or three times, they talked over each other, but then the rest of the time it was banter. 1940s banter. Bam, 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 bam. Especially between the puzzler and what's her name. And so that was difficult. I thought those 
one or two times were just flubs. I just think they oh. talked over each other. I don't oh. think there was anything intentional. I think the way the dialogue was written, it was intended to be Nick and Nora style banter, yeah. which mostly uh, Donna and the puzzler pulls off. Right. I think, particularly so, at, in the beginning. If they were accidental talkovers, that's different than now we're going to try a different style of Yeah. Every dialogue. question of this is like, was that deliberate? Probably, no, probably not deliberate. Yeah. <laughs> there was just some strange choices in describing like the stuff that was around the house too. Yep. <laughs> They've got spiders and rare manuscripts and bones. <laughs> yeah, old animal bones. <laughs> what? You know... When I listened to this and said, all right, let's do the podcast, and we got and we started recording, I was like, okay, yeah, that was a thing. As we're talking, I'm getting madder and madder at this thing. <laughs> I'm starting to realize, and you know what? No. I went through a lot of work to understand your garbled nonsense. <laughs> I feel bad. You worked so hard. I listened, I listened to it in the car on the way home to record this podcast. <laughs> this is so weird. I put in so much research to try to figure out, like, where did this come from? What does anybody know? And there was contradictory information, so I had to do more research to figure out which was the right one. And you, you spent half an hour on it. <laughs> Not me. In your face, guys. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you go find the novelization of this and read that? Huh? Yeah. What M.R. James novel is this based on? <laughs> well, any other thoughts or... What was the significance of the cat dying other than to give him a cat right? sound? Because they'd bury a cat every Monday. It invites us sort of like, well... Jeremy didn't appear until the cat was poisoned, so maybe that's when Elizabeth really started going off the deep end. Was it poisoned to summon Jeremy? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm going to just lean toward not well thought out sloppy writing. I really am. I, you, we're trying to peel an onion of layers that I really don't think exist. Well, I, I try to interpret of like, okay, if this was Workman, he spent a lot of years not being a writer. He was a, yeah. a, a writer a lot of years before this, but I think saying he lifted something from I Love a, a Mystery is probably accurate. I'm sure it's the sort of show he would love. Like, I know the guy. Right. But he really, it seems like he really wanted to focus on character dynamics, a shocking moment or two, and <laughs> then get out of there. The plot is totally secondary. My name's Workman, ironically. <laughs> Oh, last thing I'm going to say is I really like the opening, the opening lines of dialogue. It just has that yeah. classic old time radio quality. And I particularly like the door that the announcer opens, transitions us into people in a scene walking into a room. And I thought that was a, a nice bit of yep. radio craft. As far as I can tell, that, that shtick is every episode. It starts with yeah. someone coming through a door and ends with someone closing a door. Simple and beautiful, and I agree. I thought I was in for something more enjoyable, but I'm lifting that from him. <laughs> I'm stealing that. I'm going to write something with the fob. That's going to be the name of my show, the fob. <laughs> Let's send it to a vote. Uh, we'll, we'll end with Tim. Uh, like I said, I think a smattering of witty dialogue and the really delightful and unexpected subversion of the detective just going, mm, that's all I got, I'm going home. <laughs> really make an otherwise clunky and 
pretty confusing story, a little bit fun. So I'm not sure it's of a uh, historical, uh, geographical <laughs> interest. <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm guessing it was a little confusing in 1956, too. So, I mean, right. it's one of those things where I think it stands the test of time, but it probably isn't worth re-listening to. I'll give my assessment. <laughs> Puzzler. <laughs> it doesn't stand the test of time. It's not well written. It was hard to listen to. It was more work uh, than I needed. Um, I have way too much on my list to put this on my list to give it another chance, maybe years from now when we run out of radio shows. Um, so way to take... Uh, Whatever in many episodes of The Thing That Cries in the Night and condense it into a half an hour of garbage. How's that? <laughs> I'm going to be largely agreeing with, with Joshua there. I think it stands the test of time in that the things that are fun about it are still fun and the things that are terrible about it were terrible at the time. It made me appreciate that a lot of what we listen to is the best of the best yeah. of 25 years of radio. And this is has good parts but doesn't hold together. <laughs> just, and yes, the detective just like, well, I'm not really detective. <laughs> I told you that before I got here. I told you again when I got here. And now I'm telling you a third time. And Did he, he left with that girl too, didn't he? Yeah. So he got, he got something out of the deal. <laughs> Probably a bunch of bones, spiders maybe. Uh, certainly a fascinating insight into radio that, we don't very often get to hear of like things that didn't necessarily survive in popular consciousness. All right. There you have it. Tim, tell them stuff. Hey, go visit ghoulishdelights.com, home of this podcast. You know, if you click on the explore button, there's an option to search <laughs> through our episodes by the title of the series. What? And right now, 25 out of 26 letters are there. I would still avoid K. <laughs> <laughs> You will also find uh, you can leave uh, messages, you can send us messages, you can leave comments, you can vote in polls. Uh, if you have requests of episodes you want us to listen to or to avoid, uh, feel free to send us those messages. You can also go to patreon.com slash the morals and support this podcast. Uh, we have all sorts of great stuff going on on patreon.com slash the morals. I'll say it again. So please, we have uh, extra podcasts. We have our new favorite thing, which is our Zoom happy hour, where we just hang out via Zoom with our patrons from around, literally, the world. Well, no, the U.S. and Ireland, but <laughs> basically around the world. And Australia. Maybe Australia. Maybe we'll get some uh, Australian people joining us in the... Three in the morning or whatever. Yeah, it would be. be really early. So yeah, uh, check out patreon.com slash the morals and uh, help us pay our bills. Yeah. By the way, I'm really excited when we finally get to listen to Adventures of Zebra Man. <laughs> uh, that would be under A for adventure. <laughs> I've already got a plan. If you'd like to see us perform live, the Mysterious Old Radio Listening Society Theater Company does adaptations of classic radio drama and a lot of our own original radio dramas. Uh, we perform around the Twin Cities area, and you can come see us live, and you can also just 
pay in the small price to watch us on live stream or on recorded delay. Uh, we're going to be back on the stage here in 2021, and we're very excited about it. If you'd like to find out where and how you can watch us, whether you're in this area or not, please go to ghoulishdelights.com or the mysterious old radio listening society.com to see our performance schedule for old time radio drama. What's coming up next? Next, we bring you our much anticipated and much delayed best and worst of morals 2020 award show. Until then, goodbye, Elizabeth. I'm sorry I couldn't do more to help you.